This is Janice. And I'm Sarah N. And we're your hosts for Explore This, a podcast for the modern day working professional. Each week, we explore actionable insights on how you can thrive personally and professionally. Hi, everyone. Today's a very special day because we are doing our very first video recording of the Explore This podcast. Long time coming. I know it's really been a while and we're so excited we get to do this today. So for those of you who are used to tuning to us on Spotify or other streaming platforms, this is your chance to also tune in to us on YouTube so you can see all of our faces here today. And we'll be sure to leave the episode link in our episode descriptions. And here on the Explore This podcast, we don't just speak about career development, professional growth, entrepreneurship as well, but we also aim to touch on topics that, you know, the modern day young professional like Crystal, Sarah and, and myself really care about. Which is why in this episode, we'll be speaking about fertility preservation and specifically on egg freezing. We're really excited to speak about this because we know that this topic of fertility is not something that is widely or very much openly spoken about at all. But for most women, we know that this is something that is will be on our minds, especially as we inch toward the 30s, which, spoiler alert, all three of us <laughs> are in. Yeah. So not only is today the first time ever that we're bringing a returning guest from season one, but Crystal, who is also a very close and dear friend of Janice and myself, has taken the hot seat today. Um, mm-hmm. Not so hot, lah, hopefully. Um, and she will be sharing with us a very personal and intimate journey about her own experience going through the egg freezing process, which happened, I believe, in the late December of November. 20- November, December of 2022. And so more than just the process of it, you'll be deep diving a little bit more into everything from the process, the experiences, the emotion, and everything in between. Things that you and I would want to know, especially if you are considering this process Mm -hmm. or if egg freezing is something that you'd like to know a little bit more about. So Crystal, to kick things off, you know, we're very excited to have you. Thank you so much again for doing this. Long time coming, as we have said. And for some of our audience or most of our listeners who might not have known of your background, maybe share with us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you. First of all, thank you so much, Janice and Sarah, for having me. It's good to be back. Um, so I'm Crystal. I work in the field of marketing, currently working as a digital nomad. So I work remotely for a company based in US, a real estate concierge app, uh, but I'm based here in Malaysia and I've pretty much been working for the past 12-ish years. So for those of you who don't know also, I personally know Crystal from the time that we were in from the time we were kids, basically. Um, so our friendship goes way back. And then Janice and Crystal know each other, all of us, through Asia School of Business, where we all did the MBA a couple of years ago now. But it's uh, been an incredible journey as we have learned so much along the way through our friendship with Crystal as well. So Crystal, you know, I remember that you are also the first friend I know personally. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we read about people doing egg freezing on TV, reading on books. But from a personal basis, you are the Mm -hmm. first friend that have gone through this experience. And I remember, you know, you sharing with me your thought process from the time you were first considering it, exploring it, to the time you actually committed to doing it. And you've allowed me to journey on that, to go on that journey with you. And so I'm very grateful that you're actually amplifying this story with the rest of our audience today. So maybe let's start with, you know, why did you decide that it's an important topic for you to come on the podcast to talk to us about? Wow, that's such a good question. Um, <laughs> I think for me, this whole journey started even though the whole actual egg freezing process started at the end of last year. Um, It was a journey that took a few years because I kind of always knew that I I liked kids, I wanted to be a mom and have kids and have a family at some point. But I think in your 20s, it's very natural to think that you have a lot of time. And um, the main trigger point for me to start thinking more seriously about my priorities was actually COVID. Um, I was living in a different country, working in uh, Finland and uh, with a different partner at that time. And at the start of COVID, in when, when it really started to spread across the globe in the early 2020 was also when I turned 30 in February 2020. So turning 30 and then going through this big global pandemic that was escalating at that time, 
really made me rethink a lot of my life priorities mm. and really question what was important to me. Um, it led to me making a few decisions like coming back home to Malaysia to be closer to family and, and, and community mm. that I grew up with. Uh, but it also made me question my priority and my how much importance I place on being a, a mom because if I just wanted to rush towards meeting a certain timeline in order you know to to avoid that tick, ticking biological clock so mm -hmm. to speak um, then you know my priorities in how I search for a partner would be quite different mm -hmm. uh, you know be things like is this person ready to have a baby? Financially, are we stable? Uh, but then I realized that the more important priority first was finding a compatible partner who shared the same values as me and this, a similar lifestyle and similar goals in life, like what we want to see uh, our lives looking like, how we want to contribute, what would our careers look mm -hmm. like. And so because I hadn't met that kind of person yet, mm -hmm. I realized I was going... I made a conscious choice to deprioritize having children, even though I was entering my 30s. And because I read, you know, I educate myself on this, I know that the prime period for a woman, for a woman to have children is in her, you know, late 20s to early 30s. That's when your fertility kind of peaks. Mm -hmm. And then it starts for most on average. Of course, there's always outliers, but on average, women's fertility begins to decline quite quickly after mm -hmm. 35. So I kind of knew that I'm entering this period of my life where I literally have this five-year window. Mm -hmm. So am I going to prioritize meeting this five-year window? Because it's not a guarantee that I'll meet someone that I'm compatible with, I share the same values with, mm -hmm. vision for life with. Yeah. And it's not something you can really control or rush, like finding a job or yeah. working on your fitness goals, which is within your control. Mm. Finding a partner who can meet you at the right point of your journey and journey with you is something you can't really control. Definitely. So I think I made it a conscious choice to prioritize that. Knowing that, I would take on the risk of maybe being having a bit more trouble having kids later on if I wait till I'm older. And so in the whole, you know, grand scheme of things that you were considering, how then did the idea of like egg freezing specifically come about then? Yeah, so so then when I knew that, okay, I'm, I'm not going to push myself to rush to get married and have kids before 35, mm -hmm. what then are my options? Mm -hmm. One is I just leave it and naturally, you know... Um, what will be will what be. will be will be <laughs> if God wants to grant me kids he will grant me kids even if I'm like 40 um, but I'm also quite logical mm. in that I believe that you know we're given technology and science mm. for a reason <laughs> so there are many options uh, and initially I always saw fertility treatments as something that only couples who can't have kids would go for. Mm. Then as I started researching, I realized there's many reasons to preserve your fertility mm. by freezing your eggs, even as a single woman. For example, some women have frozen their eggs and then later on down the line, they, they, they could not have predicted it, but they had were diagnosed with cancer. Mm. They had to go for chemo and they were glad that they froze their eggs because then later on, they could retrieve their pre-chemo eggs mm. you know, and continue to be on a journey of having children mm. um, and there are also couples who were able to have their first child by like naturally without any issues then later on they decided when they were ready they wanted another child but by that time the woman is older mm. so it was hard to conceive naturally mm. so then that's when the frozen eggs came in handy so I realized that there are so many reasons um, mm. besides just expanding your timeline mm. but you can't predict the future of how your health will be, how your body will be, mm -hmm. uh, what you might get diagnosed with in the future. So I realized it's kind of like the reason we buy insurance. Mm -hmm. You buy insurance hoping not to use it, but you buy it so you have more options. Mm -hmm. And so egg freezing made me realize that I don't have to rush this search for the right partner mm -hmm. and I can give myself options to find the right person, but also still prioritize what is important to me which is being a mom mm. I'm so curious at that point of time when you were exploring this journey as well did you have any close friends who were on this journey or, or who have been on this journey that you could even speak to them or did you feel that 
it was something you were exploring in that season of your life quite alone in that sense? Um, that's a good question. Because I started thinking of it, I think earlier than mo a lot of women who do, the term is social egg freezing, where you're not really struggling with fertility yet, but you freeze your eggs for multiple reasons, like I mentioned. Um, so I think for most women who do social egg freezing, they do that when they're kind of approaching that window of coming to their mid-late 30s. Mm. Um, so it was early. I did start thinking about it earlier. Um, and so I didn't really know anyone my age who was also exploring it. I knew people who were curious as well and kind of on the same thought process as me, but not seriously going to the extent of seeing a clinic and mm. a doctor. But I was really fortunate because I did speak to... Uh, older women who had were in their 40s and had gone through a divorce like I had and because you know we shared that thing in common where we both been divorced they were able to speak quite candidly to me and say ask me Crystal you know what's your plans do you want do you want to have kids at some point in the future mm -hmm. and I said yeah I really do and then they they just said quite um di like quite candidly to me um if you haven't thought about it I would recommend you seriously consider freezing your eggs and and so I asked if if they had done it and then they said yeah and I wish that someone had told me to do it earlier because mm -hmm. by the time I did it I was almost close to 40 and um my health my body was not uh, where it was in when I was younger mm -hmm. and then I had to do a few rounds to to get the optimal the to get the optimal mm -hmm. um results in terms of the number of eggs and the quality of eggs mm -hmm. yeah Let's also take a step to appreciate the fact that, you know, Crystal has this courage to come up here to share with us because we recognize, like we say, it's a really personal and intimate yeah. journey. And also Crystal's first time sharing it on a more public forum. Mm -hmm. But also let's take a step back and, you know, get back to basics and maybe Crystal um, ask you in your own words to define egg freezing. Now we want to put a caveat here. Neither of us are medical professionals. So none of us are giving any medical advice. And this episode is really about Crystal sharing her experience having gone through this process. So maybe tell our audience about egg freezing as you know it. Yes, I'm glad you put that disclaimer that we're not <laughs> medical professionals because I'm an art student, not a science student, and like technical terms get very lost on mm. me. So I'll just explain in guys. very <laughs> layman terms, yeah. not using any of the jargon, jargon, like <laughs> follicles and all these kind of things, follicle count and all that. Like, you know, for me, it's just, um, as I understand, we're born with, all women are born with a specific number of of eggs in their body. Every cycle, you release some. Um, and then as you grow older, your reserve of eggs kind of goes down. Mm. Um, and that ideal window is like before 35, right? And um, so the whole uh, process of egg freezing is putting your body through a series of hormonal treatments mm. in the form of injections to produce an optimal number of eggs during your next cycle when you go through the egg harvesting process so that they can harvest as many healthy eggs as possible and store those eggs and it in some kind of frozen condition. Again, don't ask me the term. <laughs> so that later on when you're ready to, to use those eggs for an IVF process, um, those eggs will still be in the condition that they were when you froze them, even though you might be a few years older. Thanks to our good friend, ChatGPT, I have <laughs> the definition of egg freezing. Don't quote me on this, quote ChatGPT, but okay. I'll just refer it to the process of harvesting a woman's unfertilized eggs and freezing them via a method called vitrification. I hope I said that correctly. I'm happy for any of our medical professional friends out there to kindly correct and clarify this for us to preserve them for the future. So thank you so much, Chris, for sharing with us your egg freezing um, definition as you know it as well. Yeah, and I would say like, you know, to echo what we mentioned earlier, right, it's not something that is widely, you know, even spoken about mm. in Malaysia as mm. well. Yeah. So really hoping that, you know, the next, the conversation that we have will help you clarify any questions that you may have or if you're thinking about it right now, um, some, we'll also be talking about the process of what it entails, anything to look out for, mm. that sort of thing. 
Yeah, so let's get into it, Chris. Um, take us back to the time when you were first um, considering to freeze your eggs. What were some of the concerns or fears that you had running through your mind? Mm. Before I jump into the concerns or fears, I also want to come back and reference something that both of you said, which is like, it's a very personal thing to yeah. talk about this topic especially in Asia, in Malaysia. And part of the reason I think that's the case is because people can be very um, presumptuous and judgy mm -hmm. about your personal life choices, mm -hmm. like whether to have kids or not to have kids. It's something that would come out at literally every family or social big gathering. Yeah. People would ask, if you're not married, when are you going to get married? If you're married, when are when you going to have kids? kids? <laughs> and it's not even the question of, first of all, do you want kids? Mm. Second of all, are you capable of having kids? Mm. Because it can be very painful for someone who is struggling yeah. with fertility to mm. actually say that I want kids, but I can't, my body doesn't let me, you know? Mm. So, so I think there's a lack of sensitivity that I don't think comes from bad intention. Mm. It comes from lack of awareness. Yeah. If you really knew how much pain your question would cause, then probably you might not ask the question in such a way. Um, so, I mean, I'm really grateful that you have created this platform for people to talk about these things because I think the more we normalize these conversations, Absolutely. then the easier it will be for everyone to have these questions and weigh these options and make smart decisions. Mm -hmm. um, decisions. Yeah. Yeah, so I think for me, concerns was... Uh, first of all, I think being able to consider egg freezing uh, is something that I, I would say that I'm very blessed to do because... Mm -hmm. It does cost money. So having the financial capacity to even consider it is a big blessing in itself. Um, and then secondly, I have also have the privilege of being educated and in environments where I would be exposed to opportunities to read about these things, to talk about these things with older people who have been through this journey. Um, so. In that sense, there were not it was it didn't seem so massively scary um or alien an idea. Um but I think I it was also true that I was wondering how am I going to uh is this a financial decision I want to make at this point of time? Do I want to invest in such a significant five figure amount to do this? Um that was one concern. Then the other concern was, like you said, because it was quite early in my journey that I was considering this. Not many people my age I knew were doing it. Mm -hmm. So there was the consideration of, am I emotionally ready to do this? Mm -hmm. uh, because finances are one thing, but it's a really big step to choose to go through such a procedure, mm -hmm. undergo a surgery and make such a big commitment to making this a priority and and then there's the whole hormonal injections which affect your mood affect mm. could potentially lead to mood swings and and I, I wasn't sure like because I didn't know anyone personally who had gone through it I wasn't sure how I would react how I would respond to the to to those treatments and like whether I would be emotionally ready to handle it mm. yeah yeah, I feel like there's, you know, you raised a very important point, right? There's so much more to it than just like financially, can I afford it? Or even physically, what's the sort of impact that it would create on your body? Because every woman is mm. built differently. Mm. You might react to certain hormone injections, you know, different from the woman next to you, even if you're the same age. Mm. But there's also like the emotional um, aspect as well. So thanks for raising that. So it sounds like you've actually done so much research, right? Like I'm sure knowing you, Crystal, you would have like spoken to people, done all like the web research, called up doctors and, and whatnot. Curious to hear from you, you know, when you went to your first um sort of medical appointment and spoken to the doctor that you've chosen, what were some of the questions that you raised um, that you felt were important that anyone who's considering it also raised with their doctors as well? Mm. First thing was I asked was to understand step by step of the process um, in terms of my time commitment and financial commitment. Because at the beginning, you do need to make quite frequent trips for them to check that everything is okay. And then while you're doing the two-week process of, you know, the hormonal in shots as well, you need to, in between, go back to the 
clinic so they can see how your body is responding. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I had the, t- the time to be able to go mm-hmm. for all those multiple appointments the ho- and, and to do it continuously. Because I was also travel. I'm also the kind of person that I travel a lot for, for work and for leisure. Mm-hmm. So making sure that I could commit to all those mm-hmm. time slots that I needed to was one. And then financially, like, is it going to be paying for this one lump sum is there an installment plan is that the price is the payments chunked um yeah first of all is can i commit to this mm. and then when i realized i could then the next questions were more getting to the nitty-gritty mm. of um, first of all what could go wrong so if i'm paying this amount of money you know what are the what are the chances i won't get the a harvest that is good what are the chances that you know my egg count will be low or they won't be in a good condition to be frozen Mm. um and then the other questions were what can i do to optimize it Mm. so then things like what kind of supplement should i be taking how should i be managing my lifestyle in the months leading up to doing the procedure in order to get the best possible results i think those were the three main categories of questions Mm. so i think one thing i'm curious about as well right like after you ask the doctor these questions and i'm sure there will be some sort of evaluation on your um health do they do they do these tests on you before deciding that you are suitable to be an, you know, egg freezing candidate or generally if you're willing to pay, if you seem on paper quite healthy, then they like proceed. Um, so I'm, I was very grateful that I had a very good doctor. Um, so the first person that I went for a consultation with, Dr. Helena from KL Fertility Center, I actually decided to just mm-hmm. continue with her after that initial consultation because she answered my questions. I felt very honestly, very transparently and coming from a place of caring for me and my optimal health not trying to just get another customer in so because of that I decided to continue and just do the rest of the procedure with her this Um, is not a sponsored post (laughs) but we're open to it we are (laughs) and uh, I think the so so she made it very clear up front that there will be a series of screening test to do first so a blood test an ultrasound some test to determine some levels of some scientific term in your body (laughs) Um, all those screening um, tests are to determine if you are a good egg freezing candidate Mm. so they'll look at the condition of you know your um, they'll look They'll scan, they'll look at the condition of whatever they look at in an ultrasound. And it's <laughs> and a transvaginal ultrasound, right? Yeah, they stick something in. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's basically like going for a pap smear yeah. for if you've gone for a pap smear. Oh. So there's definitely going to be a wand that's going in and you can see, you'll be lying down and then you can see what it's scanning, mm. like an x-ray on the screen wow. and, and it will be moving around and she will talk you through, okay, this side is looking good, this side is looking good. Um, yeah. And uh, there's also blood tests. Blood tests, as I understand, is more to check, like, do you have any um, hereditary conditions that you could be passing down to your children if you have children? Um, and it's just a very standard blood test. So if you've already done, like, a medical checkup in the last year, you they can just use those results mm-hmm. and you don't have to retake it again. Mm-hmm. Um then they just check different things in your body, different levels of things in your body that is important to produce healthy eggs. So for me, one of the things that came back was that my vitamin D levels was a bit low because I spend most of my time indoors. So I needed to boost up on my vitamin D supplements. Um, so only after they do those checks will they tell you, okay, you are suitable for candidate for egg freezing or you could still freeze but there are these potential Mm, considerations they might not get what they want to harvest at the first try you might have to do a few rounds Mm. that might cost more money they might tell you all these things Mm. Um, a lot of women also have irregular cycles or they have a condition like PCOS which Mm. also makes it complicated because this whole process follows your monthly cycle so I was very fortunate because after all the checks besides some things minor like just low vitamin d levels Mm. everything else looked really good Mm. and the doctor Mm. told me you're really healthy you're actually a prime candidate you should just do it now Mm. yeah wow actually to be honest right sarah it sounds like 
to be honest, I don't know the state of my egg health. Neither do I. Um, Time to it, get it checked. Yeah, it sounds like, you know, honestly, even if you decide not to proceed with the egg freezing, you know, process mm, anyway, yeah. these kind of tests give you a lot of, you know, knowledge and awareness Absolutely. on like the state of the health of your eggs. Yeah. And that helps you decide whether it's something you should, you know, you want to act upon and, yeah. you know, start the... Yeah. Start, start, you know, trying for a child soon mm-hmm. or delaying it or even undergoing treatment, mm-hmm. taking supplements. Yeah, I think it that... gives you more power. Like, knowledge is yeah, power. Exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, I was... So, I'm not... I was not married when I did this yeah. this whole track. I'm not even engaged, right? But let's say I were engaged. Uh, the results that came back were telling me things like, actually, for your age, your eggs and your womb are in great condition. Yeah. So... If I was someone engaged, just doing that scan would make me give me a lot more confidence of okay, you know, now time to get married and start making babies. <laughs> you know, so it's start just now. having that information. Yeah. They even tell you like your egg reserve, how many are left, like how many you typically produce each month. Um, so you actually know these things. So even if you're trying to conceive naturally, you're going in Informed. with more awareness and mm-hmm. it's not because it can sometimes be an emotional thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I know couples who have trouble con- conceiving and sometimes they don't do these scans until after months or even years of trying and Mm. it can be very emotional because when you don't know then it's like is the problem me or is the problem Mm. you or is the problem both of us and this is all just purely speculation Mm. when you can actually just know through one checkup yeah So I think fundamentally, the idea of going for the test, both the transvaginal abdominal, uh, sorry, transvaginal... Um, it's an ultrasound, ultrasound basically. Yeah, transvaginal ultrasound, as well as the blood test. It can yeah. tell you so much already. And from there, you make an informed decision. And obviously, with the consultation of your doctor, whether or not you want to proceed with the yeah. freezing, which is what you did. Which and is- even if you don't proceed, it tells you what lifestyle changes you need to make. Mm, like yeah. what supplements vitamin I was missing. D's. I mean, I take multivitamins regularly, but yeah. I didn't know I need more vitamin D, mm. you know? So mm. things like that. Now I know. It makes me wonder, why is this not even compulsory for all women turning 30 or something like that? Yeah. 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 But let's also dive into, you know, the entire process once you have made the decision post this checkup um, with the doctor and you've decided that you want to proceed with the egg freezing process, um, maybe I assume there will be multiple stages. Why don't you walk us through those stages? Yeah, so it was really straightforward after doing those tests. Um, basically, she said that you can start anytime during your next cycle. Mm-hmm. They'll tell you at which point of your cycle, you know, which, which day of your period to mm-hmm. start. Um, and then you basically start administering hormonal shots in the form of injections um, to your abdomen for two weeks. And that kind of primes, in my own language, again, yeah. this is not medical language, primes the eggs for <laughs> being ready to harvest. Yeah. And then at the end of the 14 days, they do another final check and ultrasound. They, and you can actually see the size of the egg has grown bigger. Oh, wow. You can see it on the camera screen. And then... Um, then you go for the surgery, which is like a half around half an hour under gen- general anesthesia. So you're completely knocked out. It's a legit surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I didn't do it immediately my, at the next month because first of all, I wanted to kind of have give myself a bit of runway to tuck away some extra cash for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then secondly, I wanted to take that three months of really eating healthy and taking more supplements mm-hmm. and then I also stopped drinking um, any alcohol and cut down my ca- caffeine for those three months mm-hmm. then I did come, came back and did a scan and that, then I started um, the two weeks of shots mm-hmm. so I don't know if I should go into yeah, what those please. shots yeah, yeah. entail um, I think that's the most for anyone that does internet research <laughs> about egg freezing the the shots are the most scary part yeah. of it. Very intimidating. I mean, as a needle fearing person, yeah. Yeah. hearing about how you have to self inject, right? Like, yeah, that really terrifies yeah. me. And honestly, yeah. it's like anything else scary in life, like a roller coaster, mm-hmm. like public speaking, or like meeting new people. It's really more mental than it is actually I physical. I <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> how, how was that for you? Like, you so know? and I think you're scared of needles, so are you? Yeah, I, I don't like yeah. needles as well. Yeah. I don't like needles and I don't like blood. Um, that combination yeah. and doing it yourself. <laughs> yeah. So when I watched and looked at pictures online of women doing this, I got scared because mm. 
Some women bruise really badly. So it's basically around the fatty area of your abdomen, right mm. underneath your belly button. Yeah. That That's where the needle goes in. And uh, different stages of the two weeks, there's different amount of needles with different amount milliliters of the hormones. Um, but at the middle point where it's the most, you're basically administering up to four shots a day on oh. your own. So the first day, the, the nurse will show you how to put the first two. And of course, the nurse is doing it. She's mm. just like sticking it in and out. It's no big deal. And you don't even have to look. So it's not yeah. scary. But then after that, when you take everything home and then you have to go and do it yourself, mm. that's the first time was really emotional. I was like mm. tearing up. Mm. I was, I remember distinctly tearing up and then like it took such a long time the nurse literally takes five minutes to break in and out right but it took me half an hour of just psyching myself up to do it yeah. and I was like double sterilizing everything <laughs> making sure this is 100% sanitized yeah. my hands were sanitized you know no infection yeah. and then I was like tearing up and shaking because yeah. I was like what life choices have led me to yeah. this because I think when you're younger and you're a little girl, you just assume, right, that yeah. your life will look like a Disney fairy tale. Like, yeah, I'll be married and by 25 and I'll have kids by 28. Yeah. And then you're suddenly 32 and then you're standing in front of a mirror figuring out how to stick yeah. an egg-freezing hormone injection into your abdomen. Yeah. So I think that's when the reality of what adulting is mm, hits you. So real. <laughs> it's not just about the bills, baby. It's not just about and, the bills. And then it That's made just me just realize that like, if I can't even do this, how am I going to deal with it if I really have to push a baby out of my body? Yeah. How am I going to deal with it if the baby has jaundice? Yeah. Or the baby has, you know, whatever the millions of potential things mm. a baby could have. Like, mm. the what a parent has to go through mentally is so much more than come on sticking a needle mm. into your body. So that yeah. that just the full reality of being an adult and being responsible and being a parent yeah. kind of hit me. Yeah. So, I do remember you sharing with me as you were putting in your first jab over text and I remember just like, wow, this is such a brave step and like Chris is just doing through going through it alone and I remember you sharing about how emotional that whole mm. first time was. Yeah. Then after that, First time, you know, once the needle went in, it's like gonna sound kind of gross, lah. But it's literally like pricking through this the a rubber latex balloon. <laughs> that's <laughs> how it feels like. There's a bit of resistance, right? Mm. Like if you think about pricking through a latex mm. something, mm. then after that, it just goes in, and that's it. When you were psyching yourself up, what were you telling yourself actually? Were you like talking to yourself, and yeah, what were you actually saying? It was this. It was this. Like, come on, Crystal. If you can't do this, how yeah. how are you gonna do all the other things required <laughs> to be a mo mom? Yeah. You <laughs> and you're do doing <laughs> and you're doing this to become a mom potentially yeah. in the future. Mm. So it's really a wow. And at some point, you might have to stick a needle into your child. You don't know, right? That's a good <laughs> so, perspective shift, yeah. right? Like when you look at it. Big so picture, if you like, can't do it for yourself, yeah. how are you gonna do it for? And mm. and also, I had um. I have also been on a fostering journey where I foster cats and I've also taken care of really sick cats. Mm -hmm. And at some point, um, one cat was really sick that it was coming to the point where in the end, we sent her to a vet to get the shots. But mm -hmm. the, another option was for me to administer it mm -hmm. as well, which is the same thing. You just put it into a fleshy area of your body, you pull the skin tight and you poke the needle in. So You make it sound <laughs> easy, but I'm very sure that yeah. when the time comes, I would not know what screaming. to do. Yeah. yeah. So I think... Yeah, I mean, it's the the reason why it's not a big deal for nurses or for parents who have gone through something like this is because it's really, like I said, it's mental. That first hurdle, mm. that first time is the hardest. After that, you kind of get desensitized mm. to it and then it's just like normal. Mm. Yeah, so after that, the next few days, it really felt like like a routine, like brushing mm. my teeth kind of thing. So it's not actually physically painful. Mm. I think it's just the mental and emotional fear that mm. is the harder thing to get over. Because it's a really thin needle. It's not that thick. Mm. Um, mm. And then you put it into the fleshiest area of your belly. So mm. physically, it's not actually painful. It's just the idea of it is kind of gross. Yeah. And so how many injections over the period of how, how long? Uh, I can't remember. There were some days it's two. Mm. The peak, it was four. But then it's basically every day non-stop for two weeks wow. yeah every day every day wow. yeah but and and you have to follow a really specific mm. schedule so it mm. has to be like every 24 hours so that like mm. if you did it yesterday at a certain time you have to do it the next day at the same time yeah 
and presumably it it's different for every everyone and your doctor is the one that has walked you through however many times you need yeah exactly exactly because it depends on your body weight Mm. and everything so whatever amount they give you is only enough for you yeah yeah can you share with us a bit more of like the procedure itself so take us through, um, I know you mentioned it was like a 30-minute pro- procedure or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Do they kind of put you under general anesthesia and then yeah. you black out for a bit? And yeah. then did you feel anything? And what are they doing during that 30 minutes? And and maybe just a clarification question. What's this surgery called? Like, is it to with the intention of Extracting? harvesting? Yeah. yeah. So it's... Li- it's I don't know what happens because I didn't want to know the details. <laughs> You're like, please don't tell me. Just wake me up when it ends. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> wake me up when it ends. Um, but I was told it's exactly the same thing as IVF. So mm-hmm. if you're a couple trying to... The difference between egg freezing and IVF is that egg freezing is freezing an unfertilized egg. Mm-hmm. IVF is freezing a fertilized egg and then later put implanting it back into the mm-hmm. womb. But the procedure of taking out the eggs is the exact same thing. Mm. What they do in a half an hour, I don't want to know. <laughs> all <laughs> but, you know is that it was a but, successful surgery. All I know is that it was my first time in my life being under general anesthesia. Mm. And now I know, okay, this is just a joke, but there's some truth to it. Now I know why mm. in all those Hollywood movies and uh, series, those dramas, yeah. people get addicted to drugs. <laughs> to medical oh, drugs like, because it's calm. the most calming feeling. It's like, oh, I feel very tired and then oh, I'm just drifting into this peaceful slumber. <laughs> so you're, you're still like loopy after that for like a few hours? Yeah. Like you're just in this haze where nothing is stressing you out. Yeah. out. But at the same time, you can't do much. Like you try to reach, it takes very long to get mm. water mm. next to you. You want to go toilet, get out of bed, it mm. takes... You're very slow mm. How many and you're very blurred. Are you like in that sort of very weakened state? Oh, just a few. Um, I think just the first day. Mm. Okay, okay. So second day you're back. And then I just immediately went to bed early. So, mm-hmm. so then the next day was back to normal. Mm-hmm. But there was a bit. Okay, so there is. So I think in terms of physical side effects, the range can vary. So I think that's why it's scary reading internet research because mm-hmm. even for the fourteen days of hormonal shots, some women really experience like almost like pregnancy, the early parts of pregnancy, meaning mm. the nausea, the feeling like morning sickness mm. and all that, really wild, extreme mood straight, mood swings, crying all the time. That's why I was scared of like, am I ready for mm. this, you know? So, I was very lucky. I didn't really experience mm. that. I was a bit more emotions, but it was more like PMS level. Mm. Nothing like very... Out of the ordinary. Nothing that disrupted my work lah. I could still work, yeah. And there wasn't a lot of bloating for me during the 14 days. Um, There wasn't a lot of bruising when I administered the shots. I think I have quite a lot of belly fat. (laughs) (laughs) Those with more small lean stomachs, maybe lah. Then the brute, that's brute. That's why you have all those pictures if you Google online of the big bruises, right? And, um, but after the surgery, then I felt the bloating. Mm. Because they actually are taking something out of... What's those two tubes at the side called? Yeah, they're taking those eggs out of the tubes. And even though, like, they're microscopic, right? They're mm-hmm. tiny. It's still a big part of your body. It's still a part of your body yeah. they took mm-hmm. out. Yeah. So, definitely, that area felt very sore mm-hmm. and um, bloated. Mm-hmm. Like, swol- swollen. Swollen, that's the mm-hmm. word. Yeah. So, that discomfort lasted about a week and a half. So just no exercise or whatever. Yeah, so that was the period they say don't exercise. Mm. Don't do any heavy, extreme exercise. Mm. So Crystal, I know earlier you spoke about some of the things that, you know, the vitamins that you took and whatnot in preparation for Mm. the whole, you know, egg freezing procedure. But could you briefly also share with us what were some of the other um, preparation things you did to prepare your body, prepare yourself mentally? Mm. Um, for the days, you know, the days and the weeks leading up to this egg freezing procedure. Yeah, so the physical part, I, yeah, I, you, you're right, I did touch on that. So taking the recommended vitamins by the doctors, then being more healthy, exercising more, um, better diet, caf- less caffeine, no alcohol. Mm. Um, but then I think when it came to the emotional and, and mental support part, because I didn't know anyone who went through it personally, it was still quite important to me that my very closest friends and also the closest colleagues that I work with, you know, my boss, 
and the person I was dating at the time, I made sure that they all know mm. that I'm going through this and the extent of it to the extent of I'm putting a few injections into my body mm. a day. I might be more uh, moody, emotional than usual mm. because um, number one, I think it's only fair to them in case, you know, I don't know if it would affect my performance mm. or if it would affect my conversations with those closest to me. But secondly, also for me, it was just very assuring to know that there are people in my life who knew what I was going through. And although they haven't been through that process mm -hmm. or haven't supported someone through that process, they still supported me in the way they knew how. And just telling me that, you know, hope everything goes smoothly. Um, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for you. I'm mm -hmm. praying for you. Um, just that was very reassuring as well. Because... Mm -hmm. I think, like you both have mentioned, it's a very personal thing. So I think to go through personal journeys like this, mm. completely not even being able to talk about it to people, mm. I think uh, that makes it unnecessarily harder. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, I'm sure. glad you shared mm. that as well. Mm. Mm. Was there anything that you had to refrain from? Like in mm. the days or, or weeks leading up to this? So, Because I've read somewhere that um, a few different sources that said that oh, um, intensive exercise is like discouraged. Mm. But I don't know if that's a myth or not. So did your doctor sort of warn you about things to avoid or things you should like stop doing? I think there was at some point, but I don't remember if that was before. It was definitely more of after the surgery mm. for like two weeks, two, a couple of weeks. I can't remember exactly. Mm. But I think leading up to it... Um, I don't really remember any specific restrictions. Um, yeah, I think just the thing I tried to avoid that I also started getting really serious about from last year and still continuing into this year is realizing um, realizing how important our health is mm. overall, right? Because I also had another friend who went to do a scan when she heard that I was going through this process and and I heard from multiple women, I started hearing as I talked about it to more people, to multiple from multiple women that they had irregular cycles or they had mm. PCOS. And I realized the one thing a lot of us have in common, probably with both of you as well, mm. is that we all have very fast-paced lives. Mm. So they, we are all like career women who are like going somewhere in mm. our careers. We're traveling for work. We're traveling for fun. You know, we keep a busy social schedule our calendars are very organized but that also tends to correlate with people who don't always give themselves enough time to rest and mm. recharge mm. Um, so I think I tried to be more mindful of sleeping more hours mm. you know just getting enough water in a day eating more healthy I've always been quite health conscious and I tried to do that, but I think I focus more on the fitness part of it because it's also fun and mm. it's also social. But I started to realize that I don't want to wait until something bad happens mm. before I even sort out my basics like sleep and water, yeah. <laughs> which I was, to be very honest, not doing very well at that point. <laughs> mm. We feel you. Mm. <laughs> very true. Mm. So during the entire process of this egg freezing process, um, egg freezing treatment, how did your day-to-day -day life get impacted, if at all? And were there any other side effects that you experienced? Mm, didn't really impact my day-to-day -day life. Uh, just the first hurdle of getting used to it. After that, like I said, it was a routine. Just like brushing teeth, it takes mm -hmm. five minutes. Um, it was more after the week and the one, two weeks after the surgery, it did feel a bit tender, especially mm. when standing or sitting, right? When you're moving that part, mm. center part of your body. Mm. Um, so it was a bit more, you know, I was just moving slower at that time, which I guess is also good practice for when you actually get yeah. pregnant. <laughs> it's like slowing down, yeah. really like listening to your body, yeah. being kind to your body. Yeah. Nice. So I think we're going to kind of talk about um, some of the gritty, nitty gritty mm. of things a little bit more. Um, you know, from conversations with some friends or even just reading up and watching videos of women who have gone through the process or are thinking of this egg freezing process, right? A lot of times, I think financial considerations is something that often hold them back because mm. we know that it's not something that is very cheap um, in Malaysia given the sort of technology involved for it. So we're curious to know what are... Um, from a financial perspective, if you could share with our listeners approximately 
how much the whole egg freezing process took, we know there's like the evaluation, mm. um, early part of it, there's the actual procedure itself. Mm-hmm. There might even be storage costs involved. So yeah, speak to us a little bit more about this. Yeah, so if you if you just look around online or generally, the range will normally be 12,000 to 20,000 ringgit. But that depends a lot on the... The reason the range is so big is it depends a lot on the individual. Mm. I was really on the lowest end of the spectrum mm. because, like I said, I started early. Mm. Um, so I was really pretty healthy according to all the checkups. And um, it was really straightforward from the shots to the procedure. No complications. Mm. Uh, so the that amount is broken. So I spent in total about 15,000 mm. ringgit under 15,000, so 14,000 something. And the that was broken into seven to 800 for the checkups. Mm. And yeah, well, I tell myself, few hundred, few hundred, few hundred. Like I said, it can be reduced if you've already done a checkup or a blood test recently, then that doesn't have to be in. Mm. Um, there's certain additional checks you can do to know about hereditary things you don't have to. But I, I, did, I basically did all of that. So mm. that's how, how it came up to almost a thousand for just for the checkup part and the consultation. Um, then after that, the hormonal treatment and surgery itself is 12K plus. Mm-hmm. It's split into two payments. So one payment, the six, uh, paid about 6,000 plus just to get the, the, the liquid for all the shots. Mm-hmm. And then you, you get a whole, you get a whole like a uh, freezer bag, a cold storage bag. They put it in the bag, then you take it home and then you keep it in the fridge and every day you I administer some shots. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to do that payment before you can take all those things home. And then after that, you do the second payment before they book you in for the surgery. Mm. For the surgery, Yeah. So in between, in the middle of that two weeks, and then also at the end of the two weeks, you will still keep going back in between for ultrasounds so that they can make sure that the eggs are growing as plan mm. just in case you don't do the shots correctly or you don't follow the timing you're supposed to follow so they will scan to make sure everything is going on track i follow everything so everything was just uh smooth and we just proceeded forward for that, from that so so yeah three payments um came up to all around four, 14,000 plus mm. i think it's important to also note like what you said right the cost will really differ mm. differ and vary yes. according to the health condition that mm. you currently have so if you might have like PCOS or some other sort of like medical conditions it might be a lot more given yeah. the additional treatments that they would have to mm-hmm. like administer to you yeah. before like deeming you like ready for the process mm-hmm. right yeah mm. so i i don't know what would be the variations cuz that was not something that I mean, the consultation is very personal mm. to you. Um, but yeah, it does, it can go up uh, quite significantly. And also one important maybe thing to know is that if your eggs are not that many mm. or healthy or there's complications, you don't have a regular cycle, you may have to do a few rounds of the treatments mm. and a few rounds of the surgery, mm. which means full on everything from start to end again, again. Oh, wow. the whole emotional roller coaster the whole oh, wow. same amount of shots wow. the same amount of price as well wow. and uh, in fact because like they were re- doctors would recommend usually because of the average success rates like say I can't remember what it is off the top of my head but usually you freeze 10 you might fertilize white, but when they unfreeze it there's also a a rate of there's also a chance that some of the eggs when they unfreeze it will not be viable Mm -hmm. so let's say you freeze 10 they might be able to unfreeze 9 or Mm 8 and fertilize those successfully Mm -hmm. then when they re-implant those the 8 might not take maybe only 4 would take Mm -hmm. in when in the womb so every stage of the process Mm -hmm. there's a a drop off rate Mm -hmm. so the ideal amount is that they want you to freeze 10 or more Mm -hmm. So I I was just under that number. I didn't hit 10, but it's just under that number. So they said it's still okay, mm. but you might want to consider next year, do another round. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just to make sure that like by the time you want exactly. to fertilize, that's like the highest, the success. highest success rate. And there are some people who in their first round, they're going to get three or four. Wow. The doctors are really going to tell you, you, you really should mm. do another round. Mm. Because based on the drop-off 
rate at each point of the process well. it's statistically yeah. if you only harvested three or four eggs low mm. chance you're actually going to get a, a baby from that mm. wow. yeah so mm. so that's why you have to be I mean ask all these questions to the doctor up front they'll yeah. tell you um, but also not every and it, this is if you talk if, when I talk to couples who have been through IVF as well uh, most of them don't get a child on the first round of mm. IVF which is exactly the same procedure except the difference is that's the fertilization mm. so that's why they also go through several rounds of it and it takes because mm. if each round you spend a couple months a couple months so sometimes you do a few rounds it mm. can take like a whole year before you get pregnant yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm actually really curious can the doctor tell you upfront from the results of the consultation and blood test that you know you are most likely going to need that one extra round or that two extra round no, or is it they will as and when you go they will never yeah. tell you they will never yeah. tell you and I think this is important yeah. to know because sometimes you think that okay the maximum that I'm going to spend is you know one round 15,000 ringgit but you have also got to be prepared for the eventuality that after exactly. you finish your first round the doctors might come back and advise you that you know due exactly. to XYZ reasons which might or might not be within their control you need to buffer for another round if you want a higher probability exactly so just to give you my example which may not even be the average the doctor said everything checks wise everything you're a prime candidate mm. um, each point of the ultrasound when I was taking the shots they scanned I think at some point there was even 16 eggs mm. on wow. both sides added together yeah. then they managed to take out like 14 mm. But That's then they only good. managed to freeze eight. So from that process alone, you can see what's the drop off. Yeah. Let alone freeze, unfreeze, fertilize, put into the womb. Oh, There's three more steps after that, idea. you know. There's three more steps after that, mm. and each step, the number will go down. Mm. So it, it's like really hard to. It's impossible to tell because mm. each person is genetically unique so mm. the doctors will never guarantee you anything yeah. <laughs> if they do you should be worried actually yeah success <laughs> guarantee yeah. so mm. I mean thank you so much Chris for taking us through this entire journey it's been very refreshing and I would say very enlightening from a more personal perspective mm. because it is something that you know a lot of people ourselves may be included and audience friends mm. close friends that we know we started having these conversations about egg freezing and fertility as a whole so if I was to ask you now, what is something that you wish someone told you perhaps even before you embarked on this journey? What would yeah. that be? And maybe this is something that, you know, our listeners would appreciate as well. I don't think that I wish someone had told me something before I embarked on because I think one person did tell me the most important thing, which was, like I mentioned, the older lady in her 40s who said, who had done it and said, Crystal, I wish someone told me to do this sooner. Because mm. by the time I did it, it was already more challenging. Mm. Um, I had to do a few rounds. If I had done it younger, maybe I wouldn't have to. Mm. Maybe I would have more options. You know, By the time I did it, my egg count was very low already. So when she told me that, it made me realize. She said, if, what, if you really decide that you want to have family at some point, you know, then whatever your concerns are financial, just prioritize mm. it and just do it as soon as you can while you're younger. Mm. And um, doing it and then learning all these things about my body and my health made me really glad that mm. even though I'm, people might say, you still have, at that point, right, you still have three years to go to hit 30, before mm. you're, you have, you hit 35, you have plenty of time. Mm. But I think this is also the stage of life when, all of us realize that life starts to really speed up. Mm. Being able to even see your friends on the weekend is like a treat, you know, yeah, compared to in true. your 20s where you can meet up every, you still can meet up every weekend, mm. you know. So even though you think you have three years, five years, however many years, mm. life starts to really speed up at this point and you don't have the time you think you have because even just going through the checkups, then if you want to take a few months to get your body healthy, that's all going to take months. By the time you actually do the procedure from the time you start your research, mm. it might take half a year. Mm. And also recognizing, I think, that there are a lot of things that you might not have control over, right? Mm -hmm. People having sickness, cancer, like you mentioned. These are all very real life scenarios that you don't have control over and number two, you would never see it coming. Yeah. yeah. 
Mm. And this is essentially a decision you make that gives yourself a chance mm. to prolong that runway should mm-hmm. life kind of hits you in the face. And, yeah. you know, we don't, we don't know what happens to us. So I think, yeah, that's, that's definitely a really important sort of perspective mm. and reminder. Mm. Um, and yeah, another thing that we would love to know as well, was there anything that you discovered or learned about yourself through this you know, through this journey that sounds like a roller coaster, right? Like mm. physically, mentally, every yeah. possible. Mm. Yeah. What what do you learn about yourself? I think I learned making such a big commitment and then being on this almost half year journey from the time I started seriously mm. looking into this and the time I actually did the surgery made me realize that being a mom is really something that's important to me. Mm. And not even not even to the extent of needing to be a biological mom. Mm. Um, I think it's just the act of mothering, whether it's with my cats, foster cats, you know, it, it could even be an adopted kid. But it made me realize that mothering is a part of me. Mm. And that's something that is going I want to prioritize in the next part, next chapter, next mm. season of my life. Um but it also made me get really real about you can say you want to adopt, you can say you want to be a mom, mm. but there are technical steps to make it happen. Mm. And adoption is a lot harder than going to a clinic and getting your eggs frozen. So I think I learned about myself that I really want to be a mom. And also, number two, that for me, I am quite pragmatic when it comes mm. to these decisions. Yeah, like maximizing my options, mm. being emotionally ready, being the right partner, being financially able to raise a child. All these things are important to me. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that, Chris. I mean, we've had so many of these conversations on a more personal level. And now for me, to be on this other side of the mic and also to hear you amplify and share your story, it is it is very. This is a very special episode. I think yeah. I have to put it out there. Um, on that note of ending and wrapping up the episode, Crystal, you would have seen this coming, but would love to ask you: What's one thing that you recently explored that surprised you? Wow, <laughs> I should have anticipated this and planned an answer, right? Yeah. <laughs> One, what's one thing I've explored lately? That surprised you, that, that you love to share with me. our audience. And we wanted to make sure we put this in because I told Janice, I'm sure you've got something to share. So I think both of you know me as a very on-the-go, adventurous spirit, mm. right? Um, <laughs> I've done all the things like ride a Vespa, have a diving license. Mm. I run. I think most people you just hiked KK recently. I just hiked well. Mount Kinabalu. Powerman duathlon. Did a duathlon. Oh, I just pump. ran a thirty km. So most people see this very big visible things mm. that I do. Um, but I think the biggest thing that has left an impact on me in the last few months mm. that I has been very new and enlightening for me is learning the power of letting other people support me. Mm. Um, I've been recently part of a three-month leadership program with this uh, organization called Asia Works Malaysia. And it's a very radical kind of accountability mentoring mm. uh, community where people commit to their goals and they commit to supporting each other reach their goals. Mm. And I think it's the first time in my life where I could take a step back from being the leader like I always am at work in my communities and let other people give to me Mm. that same level Mm. of support and even more Mm. and I think that has been very humbling Mm. um, for a person who is always a doer Mm. and on the go to just let myself rest or even let myself rely on someone else Mm. for support because it also comes with learning how to trust Mm and surrender that I might not always be the best one to do this. Maybe it's time to step aside and let someone else mm. have a have the chance to do it. Mm. And just surrender to maybe, you know, yes, you might have very high standards, but other people could also surprise you. Mm. Yeah. And also recognizing perhaps that, you know, you're always giving. Mm. It's also an opportunity to maybe take take a step back and receive because it's also when you have your cup filled that you can give more. Absolutely. That's such a beautiful way to 
sum it up. <laughs> yes. So, you know, just to wrap things off, Crystal, we just wanted to thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. And we wanted to put it out there with our audience that, you know, everyone's experience with egg freezing, as Crystal has alluded to many times, is going to be very personal and it's also going to be very, very different. So always make sure that if you do decide to go, go ahead with this, to number one, consult your doctor and do your own research. I think that's what we wanted to put across here. Um, but, you know, the sharing that Crystal has done has been very valuable in case you are someone like ourselves, maybe, who are also considering this as an option. One thing I wanted to say also is recognizing that fertility or infertility is also not just a woman's problem. Mm. Um, and I think this is maybe a topic for another day, perhaps. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's also it's a shared problem. It can be something that either the men or women face, um, you know, in, in this act of conceiving for a child in the future. So don't forget to seek further information by consulting with medical professionals if this is something that you'd like to consider for your own body. Yeah. And once again, Crystal, we thank you so much for your vulnerability, you know, your boldness, your courage to just share this very important conversation, mm. one that is not spoken about enough with us today and with all our listeners and we hope that all of you enjoyed this episode leave a comment if you resonate and yeah feel free to reach out to us if you've got any specific questions to crystal we'll leave her um social media handle in the episode description so just be sure to check this out and let us know your thoughts when this comes out see you soon bye if you stuck around to the end of this episode we want to say Thank you for exploring with us. And if you don't already, please follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and review, and most importantly, share this episode with your friends. We'd love to hear from you. So you can also connect with us on Instagram using the Instagram handle Explore This Podcast. A-C-T-S-P-L-O-R-E This Podcast. New episodes for Explore This drops every alternate Mondays at 8pm. See you then.